0: Alright everyone, welcome to your weekly um, episode of There's Too Much To Think. I'm your host, Maddie B. Um, Today, if you haven't uh, read the description, um, I'm going to be talking about the Cold Valley Murders and Disappearances, or what is also known as the Lewis Clark Valley Murders, and disappearances because there are multiple um so yeah today i just wanted to give a quick content warning before i really got into this and before i started talking about the setting and everything i will be talking about this case does involve a few children um there is mention of sexual assault and there is mention of dismembered bodies and there is mention of um suicide that may not actually be suicide so i just want to give that warning right now up at the top um so here we go um the setting so according to a podcast done by who killed hosted by bill huffman this story starts in northern idaho at the bottom of washington state in the Lu- and and the bottom of washington state in the lewiston clarkston valley the person who likely caused these disappearances was active around the years 1979 oh yeah guys for, <laughs> real quick uh this is technically an unsolved case i don't know why it isn't unsolved to me it seems real obvious but for some reason it's considered unsolved so um but these disappearances were the person who caused these disappearances was likely active around the years 1979 and 1982 it is highly speculated that this person killed more more people in other areas which I will get into um and um oh my goodness I I lost my place uh it is highly speculated that the person who killed uh, who has killed more people in other areas, such as where he grew up in Chicago, which, again, I will mention the little girl he, he is speculated to have killed. Um, but as of yet, they only have linked the five locals of the Lewis-Clark Valley to um, this this man. Um, his name... We, we don't know his name. Um, but the younger... <laughs> The victims include young teens, as well as an adult man named Stephen Parasol. Um, the names are Christina White, who was 12. Christina Nelson, who was 21. Kristen David, who was 18. Jacqueline Brandy, she was known by Brandy as most of the people in her family. So I will be referring to her as Brandy Miller from now on. And she was 18 at the time and Stephen parcel who was 35 um christina white who was 12 years old uh when she disappeared has never been found one thing that you need to understand is if you're not familiar with the pacific northwest um while these two um Lewiston is in Idaho, but Clarkston is in Washington. Like it's next to each other, and a lot of the places I'm going to be talking about are in either Lewiston, Idaho, are like 30 minutes outside of Lewiston, Idaho, or at most an hour outside of Lewiston, Idaho. So these cases a lot of the time were not connected to each other um until one of a group of Um, murders and disappearances uh, that I will get into later but a lot of them were not connected at first because of the fact that they were across state lines but what's good is once they figured out that two of the departments had the same suspect for two different situations they started communicating so that's a good thing about this case is like they figured out quickly that something was wrong so There we go, that's the setting, that's the situation. And uh, let's dive into Christina White and how this 12 year old little girl has never been found. So, Christina White. Christina White was from Asotin, Washington. As stated by another podcast I listened to about this case called Murder With My Husband, they describe her as a bit of a tomboy, and at the time, in 1979, Asotin only had about 1,000 people to make up its population. So, it was a very small town. It was very, like everyone knows everyone, but they keep to themselves, all that kind of thing. Um, as I stated before, for those who aren't familiar with the Pacific Northwest, a is like right on the edge of Idaho, even though it says it's in Washington. Um, it's literally a stone throws away. So the day of April 28th, 1979, there was a county fair in town. And for those who aren't, aren't, um, Like, aren't from a small town. There were a lot of festivals going on. Because this is, like, the one moment that everyone can do everything. So, it's literally, like, considered a party week. And it's a big deal. So, um... Because there's really not much to do. So, of course, Christina decides to go with her mother and her little sister. Excited to see the parade that was in town because of the fair. So, um on the way home her mother drops her off uh, at a friend's house so that way she can she and her friend can bike to the actual fair later that day um I know that like this is kind of taboo for those who haven't grown up in the 80s I haven't grown up in the 80s like I just mentioned that I'm a college student so like I I'm not familiar with the 80s but from what I've gathered from like my parents um this was like completely normal to let your kid do like whatever, which I kind of like picked up on from like Stranger Things because hello, those kids would not be able to do any of the things that they were able to do in that in that show if their parents had been like our parents now. But yeah, it like my 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 dad used to tell me stories about how he used to like skip school and bike literal miles to go to the mall and then bike back and his mother would have no idea. She just assumed he would go to school. So this kind of behavior was completely normal. But not long after Christina's mom drops her off, I wanna make this very clear, she sees Christina go into the house. So obviously she wasn't kidnapped or taken from before the girl gets in the house so christina calls her mom from the landline inside the house not long after the mom drops her off and says she's she feels hot and that she doesn't feel good probably because she like ate a shit ton of junk food like didn't drink water you know like kids kids being kids she's 12 she has not had a sip of water all morning and she's been out in the hot sun so Uh, Her mother says that it's okay. Just like put a cold towel on your forehead and ride back home when you feel better. Like they weren't that far away. It was like a neighborhood away. So it wasn't her neighborhood. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't a big deal for her to bike to her neighborhood. So her mom's like, put a cold towel on your forehead. Dry like bike to the house when you're, when you feel better. And we will just go to the fair another time right so the only problem is is that 12 year old christina white is never seen again um which to think about that mom because again this is completely normal and she never sees her little girl ever again uh weeks go by in the case and there is no sign of her uh, one day a man named Carol Flynn finds some papers with the name Christina White on them, like some school papers, like school assignments that have her name on them. Uh, Flynn lives on the edge of, a, of the town, so pretty far away from where the girl was last seen. Um, immediately everyone is hopeful, uh, as this is a, this is a huge lead, but after the police searched Flynn Farm, it is revealed that there is, was nothing left on his property and no evidence nothing um and so the case goes cold and this is the first of a long line of disappearances and murders that happen in this valley So the murder of Kristen David, I wanna say this real quick. I misspoke. She wasn't eighteen, she was actually twenty-two. Yes, twenty-two. So, um Kristen David was a college student who attended University of Idaho and usually biked the thirty-two miles between there and Lewiston, Idaho, where she had lived and where her family lived. Once again, according to the podcast I mentioned earlier, Kristen had planned to go home in time to go to work, but when she didn't show up, her mother started to call around asking her friends if they have heard from Kristen, as well as family members. When they hadn't, she calls the police. Um, An article done by The Grunge describes it as, quote, the college senior was en route on highway 95 on june 26th 1981 when she seemed to vanish into thin air end quote as usual with cases like this like if you're familiar with true crime and you're familiar with past cases like past times cases the the police show up and they're just like she's a college student she'll come back she's a runaway like this happens and i'm just like no you guys because Kristen's mom is like no that's not my daughter like I promise you that's not my daughter my daughter would tell me and again the police do not listen to these parents again police you don't know how this family is right she comes from like a good family like there's no signs of like abuse or neglect or like any of these things that would have caused her to run away if she is biking every night, 32 miles to come home, that should be enough to show you, right? That should be enough to be like, nah, because that is like 40 plus minutes of a bike ride, right? That is insane to think, oh yes, this kid who's biking home every night definitely just wants to run away, right? So, that's irritating but um yeah so the police chalk it up to her being overprotective and overbearing uh and that Kristen was definitely gonna come up and show up soon uh, how very wrong they were um huge trigger warning here this this is the part where I mentioned dismembered body parts so you know click off skip ahead do whatever you need to do, because barely a week later, on July 4th, and keep in mind, she disappeared June 26th, several body parts were found along the Snake River by a fisherman. For those who don't know, Snake River is a really freaking big lake that just chills in Idaho, and a lot of, like, the Pacific Northwest, right? So, um yeah so there are several body parts that were found by the snake river by a fisherman the body parts were wrapped in the april edition of the local newspaper and then stuffed into black trash bags the police confirmed that the person who did this had done it with precision meaning that they would have had to have some sort of anatomical knowledge so doctor butcher that kind of thing um Remem uh referring back to the grunge article it states that her torso and one of her legs were found first and in the remaining days it was reported that they found her head her arms and as well as a portion of her other leg so there's that um I try not to puke like I, these parents man like i don't know what i would do like that mother tried everything she looked for her kid she told the police the police weren't listening and now she had to go and see her daughter's dismembered body like that no mother no person should ever have to look at someone they love and have to reconcile with the fact that that is the person that they love like that's not no. Uh, David's clothing and bicycle have never been found. Uh, Later, an eyewitness comes forward claiming that he was driving past a brown van with organ license plates that had pulled over in front of a girl on the ground in the fetal position with a bike. Thinking that the man was getting out of the van to help her, the witness continues home and proceeds to call the paramedics, stating what he had seen. So he's basically like, oh, there must have been an accident. He must have, like, bumped her off the road a little bit. So he's getting out to check on her. And so when he gets home, because, again, this is the 80s, there are no phones. There are no, like, you have to drive home. So he drove home and called the paramedics and was like, look, there's a girl on 95. um, She's injured, right? Go help her out. By the time the paramedics get there, though, the girl, who the police think this is the moment that, like, this is the last known whereabouts of Kristen, um, the girl and the bike are gone. To the paramedics, it just looked like the witness had wasted their time. Uh, and despite the fact that she was found in the summer of 81, according to an article done by Spokesman Review, that is, uh, it isn't until... 1998 that Kristen is publicly linked to the rest of the disappearances and murders by lieutenant al johnson again this isn't the man who murdered her it's just who linked her to the rest of the murders so with that being said let's get into the three disappearances that all happened on the one night Whoever was behind these disappearances and murders struck again one year later. So look at the timeline. Kristen, or not Kristen, Christina White goes missing in 79. Kristen David is goes missing and is murdered in 81. And now in 82, three people go missing. So, on September 12, 1982, three people went missing, and only two were found dead. As reported by the Spokesman Review, 35-year-old Stephen Paracel was working at the Lewiston Civic Theater, so this was a uh, play, and musical, like that kind of theater, not like movie theater. So... Uh, he was working as a janitor, and on the night that he goes missing, he is actually there around like 12 o'clock because he wants to go practice his clarinet um, in the orchestra, and uh, the place where the orchestra is. So he has his girlfriend drop him off, and uh, he is never seen again. Uh, police report that his uncashed check, wallet, and car were still at his apartment, so obviously this wasn't a runaway scenario. Also, he is a 35-year-old man. This isn't like a, you know, teenager going through some stuff and running away. This is a 35-year-old man. Um, and then on top of that, he also, and his clarinet, which was known to be his prized possession, was found in the orchestra pit of the theater. So, Paracel disappeared and has never been found, as I state as I said. Uh, police archives state that, quote, Paracel has never been found and is not considered a suspect. So they they rule him out. Um, that very same night, Christina Nelson, 21, and her stepsister Brandi Miller, 18, uh, had disappeared without a trace, right? Police searched Nelson's apartment and found a note saying that the two girls were going to go to the grocery store because I think they wanted to like do some laundry or something, and they didn't have any laundry detergent, so they had to go to the grocery store. One of the girls also worked at the theater, so police searched the connecting piece, as all three people were said to have been in the vicinity of one another right before they disappeared. Um, Nothing comes of this lead, however, and the police have... That the police have, and the trail goes cold. That is, until two years later, on March 19th, 1984, two bodies are found 27 miles away from Lewiston in Kendrick, Idaho. These two bodies were later confirmed to be the two sisters, Brandy and Christina. Obviously, the two years decomp and the fact that they were out in the elements, the girls were in bad shape. They, unlike Krista David, however, were found completely clothed in one piece and uh, they still had their jewelry on them the night that they uh, disappeared. So, according to the podcast, once again, murder with my husband. There were cords that were found around the bodies that the police suspected might have been used on the girls before they were murdered or as a murder weapon themselves. But the rope was so badly decomposed and there really wasn't a way for them to test it. And DNA was not like it is today, folks. Like it it, it just isn't. Um, which I will it I'll just prove it later when I bring up um, someone else. So Yeah, DNA really wasn't this uh, sort of thing to be used. And when it was, it was kind of shoddy. It was kind of like, "Eh, this might be it, this might not be it, you know. Or at the very least, you had to have a lot of physical evidence to use DNA. So, to recap. Five victims that apparently have no relation to each other other than the name, because Christina... Christina and Kristen sound pretty, pretty similar. Um, only three were found, and two are still missing. Though the police presume now that they have sadly passed. So, who are the suspects, and why has no one been caught? Buckle in, folks, because the shit that I am about to tell you, my god. Okay, so first, uh, as reported by the same gr- Grunge article like he bringing up, many big-name serial killers who are really all pansies and disgusting pieces of trash and attention horrors, um... Um, (laughs) Sorry, I really went off there. Uh, But regardless, these two names might seem familiar to you, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. If you know anything about true crime, you've probably heard those names being floated around. This duo was considered to be suspects at first because the two were terrorizing the southeastern states in the 70s and 80s. And the true number of victims will likely never be known because the two just loved attention. Like I said, real big attention horrors, those two. Uh, And would often falsely confess to crimes they were completely innocent of because they didn't get enough of mommy's attention when they were younger. Um, So the investigators left the interviews uh, of the two serial killers completely empty-handed because they had determined that that Lucas Nortool had anything to do with Northern Idaho. So it was time to keep searching. Uh, Police find out that there was someone else in the Civic Theater that night that Steve, Brandy, and Christina are connected to. And so they bring in the suspect. Immediately, they get bad vibes from this man he doesn't look them in the eye has defensive body language like so on and so forth literally a walking red flag um when they asked him what he was doing in the theater he claimed that he was hired to work on the theater as a bit of doing like handiwork and so on and so forth just like odd jobs around the theater and he was working that night and when everyone disappeared uh, he claimed that he was working in the loft attic space when he accidentally fell through the po- the plaster and onto the theater floor. Obviously, this shocked him, made him a little, little jarred, so he made his way to the green room where there was a couch and tried his best to gather his bearings. Uh, from there, he laid his head down and fell asleep. He vaguely remembered the phone ringing, but he quickly fell asleep and didn't answer the phone again. Like he kind of was in and out of consciousness. He claims he didn't know Steve was there, despite the fact that uh, Steve would have had to walk right past the green room turn the lights on and so on and would have been playing his clarinet. Uh, He also claims that he didn't hear anything or wake up to any noises or so and so on. So as they dig further into the suspect, however, they find out that the suspect's at this, was living in Christina White's friend's house in 1979. You know, the year uh, Christina disappears? Yeah. So, uh, where she became sick, where she reportedly never made it home from, this suspect was supposedly the stepdad of her friend. Right? This is when the police start to connect the disappearances and start to crack down on him as their main suspect. Because... Um again another physical copy today. Uh you might hear the page tr- pages turning. So especially after they find out that he may that he may have inserted himself into the in- investigation. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so rattled by this that my reading skills are awful. So Uh, Especially after they found out that he was, he had inserted himself into the investigation by offering to look for Christina when she went missing. Anyone who knows serial killers, a lot of them like to insert themselves into investigations to make everyone else look dumb and to be like, (laughs) because they're complete and utter sickos. So... This is when the two departments working on the Civic 3, which is what they were known, and Christina's disappearance, because remember, Christina is from Assoten. So her case was assigned to a different department in Washington. So it only took them, uh, it only made them realize like, oh wait, these might be connected because the same guy in her disappearance, like the same suspect in her disappearance is also the same suspect in the Civic 3 case so that's when they start to communicate uh and come together and start communicating with each other at this point they thought that um again they thought they weren't connected because not only was it across state lines but i mean like 12 to 35 victim age gap is a huge victim age gap also one of them is a man that's not again like you see any like detective show and you know that that's not a thing they don't change up their victimology so it just it it was kind of unheard of at this point so now that they combined their efforts they find out that there was a house between Christina's friend's house and her mom's house that was owned by the the suspect but it was vacant vacant meaning he owned it and no one lived in there Wasn't rented, wasn't nothing. It was just a house that he owned in the same neighborhood. Make that make sense. It doesn't. That is super, that's super suspicious. So they think at this point um, that he might've offered to take Christina home because she wasn't feeling great. She was overheated. She probably didn't want to bike home. And because this was her friend's stepdad, when he offered to take her home she she trusted him she was like okay and she is never seen again the police immediately start talking to friends and family of the suspect and they report that he's been uh and like the families and friends report that he has been exhibiting some odd behavior like digging around his house at night uh like digging out in the yard out you know scaring a woman that he was showing a house to because he was, in fact, a realtor. Uh, And one woman even reported that when her and her family were camping, a man pulled over to ask for directions. She's walking away from the campsite. Man pulls up. is like, hey, do you have directions around this place? She's like, no, I really don't, but, like, my family who are at the campsite do, and I'll just, like, walk you over there, you know? And he's like, oh, get in my car, and I'll just drive you over. And she immediately is like, ding 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 red flag red flag red flag and so she's like no and he goes never mind and drives off well later that night the same family family notices a man hanging around the campsite clearly trying to stay out of sight and so clearly scared they decide to pack up and leave this dude was clearly a creep it was the same man that had pulled over and asked for directions so later that year, the same family goes to a parade and they notice the man yet again. As they are talking about him, a policeman who was at the parade comes over and it's like, "He's our main suspect for these murders." And like tells them everything, you know. And so that's when they they start telling the police like their story and it's like, "Oh my god." So, clearly spurred on by all of these stories, the police do more digging. That's literally all this is. It's just more and more and more digging. So they find out that not only was he a handyman for the Civic Theater, again the theater that's the play, right? Uh, but he also acted in one of their shows. He acted in one of their shows and he started to have an affair with the main actress because again you guys he is still, mar- he's still married. So at the end of the show he breaks things off with the girl that he's been having... A relationship with and this is the girl's first ever relationship so she's clearly devastated she sp- suspiciously takes her own life and you know who finds her ding 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 our main fucking subject you guys it keeps going it keeps going so on march 22nd 1984 keep in mind this is three days after the two sisters bodies are found in kendrick idaho the suspect now sits down for the second time to lay out the timeline of the night he was at the theater, now knowing that he is, in fact, the main suspect of the case. So this is his timeline. He was working at the theater. He takes a break to go watch a, uh, to go watch a movie at the movie theater. He says the movie gets done uh, at 11. <laughs> he says it gets done at 11. That's when he goes back to the civic theater so he can get all the things he said and did in his original statement before Stevie arrived. So that means like he fell through the plaster, hit his head, fell asleep, heard the phone and fell back asleep again, right? He did all of that before Steve arrived. The phone that was originally missed because he was in and out of sleep ended up being a call from his wife, which again had to have happened before Steve got there. He states that he woke up again at 5 a.m., calls his wife again, and moves his truck from the front to the back of the theater so he doesn't have to walk that far with his tools. The police checking his statement. The police check and the movie he went to see didn't end until after 12, placing him in the Civic Theater with Steve and he would have been awake at the time. But wait, it gets so much more convoluted how was this man not caught so after digging after more digging they find out that the main suspect is connected to a little girl who went missing in Nampa Idaho in 1982 only to be found days later murdered at the edge of the snake river on a plot of land owned by none other than ding 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 our main suspect our main suspect so this little girl's name was Darylyn Johnson according to an article done by Boise State University of the Idaho's Innocence Project nine-year-old Darylyn was a student at Lincoln Elementary School who was walking home from school before she was kidnapped trigger warning raped and drowned Later that same year, a man named Charles Frayne, 34 years old at the time, was arrested for her murder because he gave up a voluntary voluntary hair sample. His hair was microscopically similar to that of the pubic hair that was found on her body, a testimony that would have been en- enough for a conviction in 1982, but by 2000, when he was released from death row, was considered drunk science. So like I said before, like... the. the the evidence that could have been found like DNA wise was very shoddy. Like it could work, but it couldn't work. Like they couldn't exactly narrow it down to like one person or a couple people. So, which is likely why our main suspect was able to get away with no connections for so long. Especially when you take it into account that nine-year-old Darylin and 12-year-old Christina look almost identical. If you go and look those two up, Aside from the hairstyles, because Daryl was like in the earlier 70s versus uh, Christina, the two of them are almost exactly identical. It is jarring. So, but there's more. (laughs) There is so much more. The suspect tells police that he has been arrested before, a few years earlier, Uh, before these disappearances and murders took place he was arrested on June 5th 1972 in San Jose California for breaking into a mortuary you know where they keep dead bodies yeah he broke into that that housed a 17 year old girl at the time named Antoinette Anino I think is how you say her name who had died a few days earlier under suspicious circumstances doesn't that sound familiar so her body was the only body in the morgue at the time, and he had broken in with a flashlight, a camera, and a hunting knife. What were you going to do with that camera and hunting knife, buddy? What were you going to do with it? Because when he's caught by the person who owns the mortuary, who lives, like, above, in an apartment above the mortuary, uh, he says, and I quote, I just wanted to see my girlfriend one last time, end quote. So the story behind Antoinette is that her and her boyfriend had had a fight a couple of days earlier, and when they stepped away from their friend group on the beach to talk about it, her boyfriend gets up saying something along the lines of, come hang out with us when you've calmed down. Right, just like, step away, hang out over here, listen to the waves, like, think about it. And, um... Not even 15 minutes later, a security guard comes over to the teens saying that the beach is closing and so they go back to tell Antoinette what's going on only to find that she is missing. Uh, Later the following morning, a couple is walking along the beach when they find a 17-year-old Antoinette uh, floating in the water nude. Her death was labeled a suicide. Now, time to talk about Diana Taylor. Uh, One day in... 1963 eight-year-old diana taylor was walking the five blocks it took to get to the ymca at 10 a.m and guess who worked as a youth coach for her swimming lessons ding 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 our main fucking suspect diana went missing and it only took a couple of days to find her huge huge trigger warning here the eight-year-old was found murdered in an alleyway. Diane, Diana had been found to be sexually assaulted, a knife wound to the heart, her two front teeth had been knocked out and had slash marks all over her legs. Um, our main suspect was only 15 at the time and the police let him go because the police felt like he had uh, it had to be someone much older. Um, So besides Kristen David, uh, the U of I student who's riding on the bike, he is connected to each of the victims in some way. Which even then, the road that she was using would have been next to the Snake River. Like, it's not that big of a jump to be like, okay, he went up the hill. Like, so, yeah. Uh, It is highly suspected that the two sisters, Brandy and Christina, were walking past the movie theater to the... to the grocery store um, as the suspect was leaving his movie to go back to the Civic Theater and somehow convinced them to go with him and he wasn't expecting Steve there so he had to improvise. And that's why he hit three in one night. So, all of this just to say that as of today, these cases are still open and unsolved the suspect has changed his name and moved out of the lewis clark valley area and still has a family And with that, folks, that is the end of this episode on the Cold Valley murders and disappearances. I hope you enjoyed. Um, Please don't hesitate to, um, you know, share this with people and so on and so forth. If the families of these victims ever hear this, my heart goes out to you. You went through so much and you did not deserve that. And your children didn't deserve that. They had so much of their time left on this planet. And it got taken away from them by someone who is awful. And I hope that one day soon there is enough DNA outside of quote unquote, circumstantial evidence that will put the man who did this behind bars. I hope beyond hope. So, yeah. Anyway, I'll see you all next week. Maddie B signing off.